a podcast one production. Wow, you've put in some effort today. Woo! You're in a pair of black boots, a vintage Izzy Miyake skirt, a really dirty basic t-shirt. I don't know if that's ever seen a washing machine in its life. I'm perplexed. How did he pick it? How did he put it together? Like what? I don't... Did he just have a go? These ones that I'm wearing today. Yeah. They're really baggy. It's nice to see that he's still so jolly in that outfit. You know, it's just like he goes around giving out all these criticisms and he thinks that he's like on top of the world and doesn't really realise that people feel bad. And they're just like, yeah, I'll take it because like, I'm not there, you know? You're looking very tacky, which I like. And just a nice... He's looked worse, I guess. We might be able to make something out of it. The, The top is cute, I guess. Just don't understand... When the wheels fell off, it's like I try and I try and, and still he just doesn't absorb anything. He's, he's shaped like a sponge, but he, he definitely doesn't absorb like one. Um, additions, mister, they look really good on you. Uh, but it's cute to see, like how quaint. Like imagine just having that much self-confidence in like an outfit like that where you're just like, yeah. I look good. I was really worried when I bought those that they'd go with nothing and you're like, that's the point. Yeah. So that's okay. Maybe we can turn this train around. We, we can make this work. Maybe we'll tie the hair up. No, that's the only good bit. No, tie the hair out. Maybe we can style a bang to cover the outfit. That's a good idea. Can I cut a bang? I'll cut a bang. That'll help. Bang will help. Well, you are in a pair of latex pants. It's very sexual. And um, so I'm like, am I a bad friend for allowing that? Like for allowing him out and not saying anything? No. So this is a great outfit just for just for living my life. Just for popping down, getting a couple of optimums, stealing a roast chicken every day. He'd never wear that outfit where I'd want to. That's like a staying at home outfit. Whilst for me, this is like Woolworths, you know. Like I'm going around, I'm getting rotisserie chicken, getting an optimum. Yeah. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. Can you give me, as a person that does do a lot of vintage shopping, and mm. I don't know if this is going to be mm. interesting to anyone else, I but do can you lot. give me like like under two minute your advice for, for vintage shop, shopping or op shopping? You need time. You need time. You need a friend. You need to do it in in groups of two and you need to be willing to go through every single thing. Some of the best things in my wardrobe, some of the things that people want the most, I have found in St. Vincent de Paul's for under $50. Like, and I'm talking like Versace Couture, I'm talking like Valentino, I'm like some of the best things that you have seen me in that I have worn to some of the best events I have gotten from secondhand stores or eBay. All you need is time. If you have time and you have a an sl- interest, yeah. you just need to you just need to engage with it. It's definitely there for you on a on a platter if you kind of want to engage with it. But you need to sort of make that first step. Absolutely. I mean, the satisfaction you will get from finding the thing, the story you will have, all of those things will outweigh any inconvenience of doing it. And I feel like people our age love it anyway. It's kind of it's always been a, a very trendy thing for anyone kind of born from 1985 onwards to do is to kind of vintage shop and do this thing. And sure, it's fun, sure, it's great, sure, you find lots of great stuff, you look really cool, nobody else has it. But I think the environmental impact that you get from that is huge. Like, you're really helping some shit out, and that's great. 
I think we're very privileged in this country. We're very privileged to be part of the Western world and we sit in our white towers of privilege. And one of the few things that I guess we have to stress about is our impact on the planet. Yeah, the fashion industry is actually the second largest polluter. Did you know that? <laughs> I come from farming families and we don't care about the environment at all. We chop it down, put cows on it. Like, we the guts out of this world. <laughs> put her in the bin. <laughs> Popper in the bin. And I come from a TV family, so we don't <laughs> care about anything that's not directly to do with ourselves. Ratings. So, ratings. Yeah. I think it's funny, though, that our generation is so concerned because I don't think those above us are. I'm not going to sit here and tell our friends who are listening to us that I'm a scientist and climate change is real. I cannot, I'm, I'm not going to be that girl. But I don't like seeing plastic straws in baby turtles' noses. Like, isn't that a big enough issue to look at when you see the little fish and they're caught in like the like beer can things I've only seen that on the Simpsons so I, I understand that it's completely true I also don't know why I'm still pretending to be a fish <laughs> right now. Yeah. I don't think you need your arm I don't think you need to put your arms up to look like a fish your complete lack of shoulders helps <laughs> you look like a fish I thought that was going to be a nose joke um but realistically, sustainability for me doesn't just include rubbish in the bin. It's the working conditions. It's how much we're paying people. It's uh, production. It's things like that that I think also need to be called into line. And it's not just, I think a lot of people reserve this to the third world. In Spain, if you're like a retail assistant, let's just say you're working at, I don't know, even a nice shop, you'll be lucky if you make like $1,400 a month. And let me tell you, rent is not that much cheaper there. It's not just Bangladesh that is treated like shit. Like this is kind of a, quite a broad stroke. And I think it's, you know, we, we talk about it, we're like, oh no, we don't want any more fossil fuels in the air. And yes, no, we don't. But I think also I would like people not having their fingers sewed together. Do you, as, as well, a consumer of high fashion who spends a lot of money on their clothes, would you pay more and how much more would you pay for clothes to know that they are ethically sourced, that they're from sustainable fabrics and, and the methods in which they do sort of aren't Look, damaging? I, I'm not a vegetarian. I try to recycle, but I live in Surrey Hills, so it's hard because sometimes everything just gets like mixed together. Like it, I try my best, but one thing I can do is not buy fast fashion. And it's one thing I really stand by. I don't do it. I I will buy vintage things. I will buy secondhand things. I will buy luxury things, obviously, which is kind of where I spend my money because I think that that's the smallest contribution that I can make to the environment and to this environmental conversation. The difference between fast fashion and slow fashion they're not as obvious as you would think. I think the main thing that I found is quantity. Obviously, in fast fashion, you're looking at 50,000 T-shirts coming from Bangladesh being wrapped in plastic, whereas slow fashion, you might only be looking at 500 coming from Portugal wrapped in plastic. I think what is really the sustainable element about what I'm going to call slow fashion is that you hold on to it for longer than five minutes. It's yep. something that, yes, the jacket may have been made overseas, Assuming if it is a luxury product, it's probably been made by an artisan in an atelier and it, it probably hasn't been made unethically, but it still has the transport costs. It still gets on a boat. The boat still burns coals to get here. It's still in plastic, it's et cetera, et cetera. But you will only buy that jacket once. One time this guy, we are at this guy's house, he's a stylist. Is he a stylist? No, but I feel like he's going to listen. Oh! but it's such a good story. Tell it, tell it. Okay, so we've been out with this group of people who we love. We love them. We love these people. They're, I would call them really good friends. The people aren't the issue. 
They're great people. And we were out, we were partying, we were having some fun. Read into that however you want. We were having some fun. No. We were doing alcohol to our bodies. Um, and we ended up back at this person's house. And they're lovely. Lovely. Like, lovely. Like, love them on a yacht, love them on a hill. Would you love them? Yes, you will. But for some reason, they were inspired to give me a jacket from their wardrobe. They were like, oh, my God, I have this jacket. You're going to love it. You're gonna, it's going to look so good on you. You're going to like, oh, it's going to be great. I feel like maybe it might have been like flirting. Like, Meanwhile, at this party, we had was. gone home and had a costume change. Like we had come to the party in the beginning in an outfit. We're giving ran, too many clues away. Ran home, had a costume change, come back. So like we were already a bit extra. So they were he gives me this jacket. And we also got changed from like pussy bows to like sheer lace shirts. Yeah, like we went we went from like little house on the prairie to the best little whorehouse in the prairie. And anyway, so he we get this jacket and I'm like, thanks, that's great. I kind of try and leave it behind because it's horrid. Like it's horrid. I tried to kind of leave it behind and they were like, no. They're like, no, take it. Like, no, you forgot the jacket. And I was like, oh, thanks. Literally walk out of the apartment block. The door's open. There's like a wheelie bin there. I just put the jacket straight in the wheelie bin. Walking home, everyone's fine. Everyone's happy. Christian realises he's left his fucking phone at this apartment. So we have to turn around and go back. And I'm like, he's going to ask where the fucking jacket is. What do I do about the jacket? Like, where, what do I do? I just hid in the McDonald's. Yeah. And that was the only time that you threw away something in the bin. Yeah, and you're just not fair. don't do it. But like, you know, you could... And 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 cut it up. Like, make do something fun with it. Experiment with it. Like, I'm not saying you have to, like, turn everything into a beautiful box cut and fly it down Bondi Beach and make the world a better place. Like, just don't be wasteful. I hate waste. How many Nescafes do you think we'd need to drink to completely replace sleep? Um, We had, like... Seven yesterday. Seven. I had like, oh, I was in double digits. Um, we barely slept. So I'm going to say eight. Come fill my glass up a little. Poor Nicki Minaj. What happened to her? When do you think she lost control? You like that Chun Lu. <laughs> Christian Wilkins' new podcast, Casual Racism, released soon. Carry on. Yeah, I do like Chung Lee. I actually quite like rap music. The R and B, if you will. Christian recently, up until recent times, thought R and B stand for rock and blues. I <laughs> I didn't think that. I just fucked up one time when I was trying to say what it was. No, you didn't. You thought it was rock and blues. <laughs> I wish it was rock and blues. Anyway. You know what's up. Like a motherfucker. Poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the Radical Fashionism School of Fashion for the Gifted. And the not-so-gifted. I love it. So I want to hone in a little bit on high fashion. Mm -hmm. There's been a few um, houses who have really embraced it. I mean, G Star Raw, it's not a house, but it, they've been really, they've been really great with embracing it. Tome, even Victor and Rolf, who's passed two seasons, um, they've used, um, they've been upcycling using vintage dead stock, really? which is yeah, which is really exciting. But I, I really sort of wanted to focus on Stella McCartney. Um, oh, yeah, she's, she's the queen of... Yeah, she's really been sort of leading the charge as a high-end fashion brand designer. Um, but at 16 years old, she was actually an intern for Christian Lacroix. Really? Yeah. I love Christian Lacroix. Yeah. yeah One of which, the saddest days in Paris fashion was when that, that house closed down, 2007. It was really sad. Really, really sad. Yeah, I mean, what an amazing opportunity. At 16 years old, that would yeah. be incredible. Uh, one of my favorite things about her, even though it doesn't really have to do with sustainability, is that she went um, and studied fashion design at uh, Central St. Martin's. She graduated in 1995 
and doing what I think anyone would ever do if you were in this position for her graduating show. She got her really close personal friends, um, Naomi Campbell and Kate Moss, to walk the <laughs> runway. So for this graduation show, the two biggest supermodels pretty much ever yeah. like remain to be close to the show, which I think is just you know, amazing. And she has been a lifelong vegetarian. So she's always been very vocal in not using fur and trying to uh, use sort of sustainable things, which has, of course, sort of brought up its own issues with people pointing out that PU... PU is in polyurethane. Yeah, it, it's not without its own sort of concerns, but they have actually invented a new vegetable plant-based PU, which is biodegradable, which obviously sort of is it even better for the environment? Um, but then back to Stella. In 2004, she released her first Adidas collaboration and she's really been um, using the Adidas collaboration to continue to push this agenda of hers um, with even one of the jumpers saying suitable for sporty vegetarians. <laughs> I think it's interesting. You see a lot of these fashion houses that are born from nepotism fail. They fall flat on their ass. But I think she's been very smart in using this privilege to start spreading a good message. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously she's a, a vegetarian, a lifelong vegetarian. She's ob- it's obviously something she's very passionate about. I don't think it is in any way a marketing ploy at all. And she, her collections are great. Like particularly with, like when she launched menswear, it was like, well, she's, they're very good collections. Even though she obviously had opportunities that other people didn't, as I mentioned earlier, working with Lacroix and other things, she still went to two different design schools. She still might've had Naomi Campbell walk down her runway, but she still graduated from that design. Yeah. And and she a lot craft. of people do not do that. They just use their privilege and without sort of creating a specialty to it. Yeah, she has been very smart to not end up having the Paris Hilton like singing career of fashion. And I think I think a lot of that has to do with this really great message that we can all relate to and we all want to be a part of. Like I'm not a vegetarian, but I would definitely have a Stella McCartney bag. One, because it's beautiful and two, because I like that it's you know better for the environment now that it's made out of a vegetable protein. Yeah, and, and it has been I something that, that she's been leading for a while. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a continuous a, conversation. It's not just yeah. a buzzword for her. In 2007, she released her skin care label called Care, which is 100% organic. Again, sort of um, making a voice. And I think, a, isn't that strange that she didn't do it under the Stella McCartney label? Because usually with brands like that, you want to hit as many categories as possible. Like Marc Jacobs, for example, shoes, beauty, like oh, you know any of those kind of big houses. You want to get as much like across so that you can lifestyle your brand. I wonder why she did that. Mm, let's call her up. Do you have a number? I'll text Paul. Yeah, text Paul. And then I think one of the biggest things in her career... Is sort her of mum has one leg. Does her mum have one leg? No, that's Heather. Not Eileen? No. Karen. And then in 2010, she designed the British Olympic uniform and, and has continued to for a while, uh, again with Adidas, which has been really big. And actually her designs, I think, are some of the best, especially the actual sports where the, the athletes wear, not just what they're wearing in the opening and closing games. I think they're really well designed and, again, uh, sustainable, made from ethical resources with ethical practices. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very much when she started, it, it seemed to me as somebody who follows fashion, hers was the, the only or at least the loudest voice that was kind of chanting this battle cry. But now, as it's become more popular, obviously a lot of brands are kind of taking this on and, and moving forward with it, which I think is, is good. She really kind of was the trailblazer, at least in my opinion. I'm sure that there were people who did it before her, don't get me wrong, but she was definitely yeah. the highest profile, which usually means you also have the most flus. Yeah. So, I, you know, good for her. Yeah. Good for her and her sustainable fashion journey. Exactly. That's my little uh, debrief. <laughs> um, Stella McCartney.
sustainable. More like Stella McFartney. I fucking hate her clothes. <laughs> so gross. Leave that in. Yeah. <laughs> this is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. We're here with Australian fashion phoenix Kit Willow. I was super excited to meet you because I've from afar followed your career but never kind of crossed paths. And, so. we're, and we're such a huge fan of both Willow when you were at Willow and KidX now, which is incredible. And you've really just gone from strength to strength. So it's really, really inspiring for sort of two young people who are into fashion and are Australian to kind of watch your career just keep going and getting bigger and bigger. That's great to hear. Thank you. (laughs) It's for me just really exciting to see and watch how your woman has evolved and how she's changed and how she's grown. And I look at Kit and she's kind of this really cool well, she it, it's, she could be a really cool girl, but she could also be a really cool mum, but she could also be a really cool grandma, but then she could also, like, her granddaughter could steal the pants as well and wear them. And, and it's I think just... it's also really interesting to introduce that concept of eco-fashion, which is really why we wanted to talk to you today about yeah. sustainable fashion and sort of having these ethical choices when you do dress. So how, how did you first kind of get interested in all of that? Um, I think, I mean, I've always been interested in nature, planet, um, protection and conscious choices, but the awareness has been the limiting um, factor. And so I've always bought organic food. I've always, um, even with Willow, I had biodegradable garment bags and upcycled um, paper for the shopping bags. I looked at sustainability in packaging, Mm -hmm. whereas the greatest impact to the environment in fashion is materials. So a few things, statistics, is that fashion is the second biggest polluter behind oil, they say. Some people say second or some people say third, but it's high up there, obviously. And really it's at the dirt stage that it affects the planet. So it's limited resources the planet has, such as clean water. It's dirt and it's agriculture and it's air. So, for instance, cotton, which we all feel is very, you know, natural and a great natural resource for us to wear, is actually um, attracts a lot of insects. And to grow it efficiently and effectively, there is a way organically, but the soil is being also poisoned and it takes 10 years to regenerate. So if you decide your crop, you don't want it to be hooked on insecticides and pesticides, you want to go back to your organic, it takes 10 years. So it's not just plastic bags in landfill, which I think is what a lot of fashion people think it is. Like they think it's just... As a, I did. Yeah, well, as, as I absolutely. did. So it's the awareness. I think yeah. it's all about the, the awareness that fashion has on the planet. And for someone who is both the fashion and the aware person, consumer and creator, I didn't even know these things. You know, nylon and polyester, to create new nylon and polyester gives off nitrous oxide, which is five times more toxic than carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, accelerating climate change. When it's mixed in with any other fibre, it never breaks down in landfill. And there's 13 trillion tonnes of discarded fashion every single year compounding and there's islands of discarded fashion that they send to Haiti for, you know, emergency relief for people. They don't want it. They Like, there's too much. There's yeah. too much in landfill as well. Have you found that your environmental consciousness has ever forced you to sacrifice design? Like, have you ever had to compromise 
mm. who the KidX woman is to make something more environmentally friendly? Um, I don't think compromise who the KidX woman is, but there's certainly things that I would love to do that I can't do that I know creatively would be really, like, amazing. Like, I'll get an idea and go, oh, and it will start, like, developing out and but I know that I need a particular fabric that I can't do that with or what I'm doing right now because I'm doing all these amazing sequins is I've found this woman in London who's created um, sequins all from um, PET bottles. So, so you make it work. Yep. I make it work. Make, but I think I there's make, always an answer. There's always an answer to the question. Like if I you think need sequins, there's an answer. Yeah. If you want to go crazy and wild and fabulous, you can go crazy and wild. Like yeah. I don't think, no. I See, I, that's the thing. I don't want it to look hippie. I don't want it to look, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Glass beads I think, Like I am a I bit of a hippie, that's... but I don't want it to look hippie. I want it, she's cool and yeah. she's balanced. Like she's rock chick, hippie, cool. You know, yeah. like. That's something that I think you've been really, really instrumental in this whole conversation about ethical fashion is that you've been able to fuse these two ideas where you can be ethical, you can be sustainable, and you can also be fashion forward. You can also be sophisticated and sexy. Well, that was my goal. I was like, I, I know how to do that part, the design part. I've got to marry now the conscious and the storytelling and I've got to marry, I could, I could see it. I was like, I've got to marry the two. What was the process to really, when you came to creating KidX, to finding the people that were able to source these things, like the organic cotton, like mm. the people that would create these products without pesticides? That was the challenge. So then I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? I'm going to research. So I researched online. I spoke to people. I spoke to Marion Hume in London who put me on to Ursula de Castro, I met and who heads up Fashion Revolution in the mm -hmm. UK. Yep. I went to London. I met with Ursula. Um, actually, Ursula de Castro gave me this jersey um, maker in China, in Hong Kong, who I went and saw afterwards. And he actually grows the cotton organically. So I said to him, how do you grow the cotton organically? And he said, through biodiversity, of course. Nature has all the answers. Go back to of you course, know, like, nature. Yeah. Yeah. So it's he grows apples next to vegetables next to cotton and then all the insects that come eat each other and cancel each other out. So the crop and the fruit and vegetable is untouched. And what's happened in that is that he's got workers whose health is very good and there's a guy who apparently sits under the apple tree and, like, plays the guitar. Um, <laughs> it's created a community of all the market, like, for the organic vegetables and apples. And then no water is contaminated. The drinking water in the community is, is clean. So there's this whole win-win approach in the growing of it. And then he knits it and he cut and makes it. So he has his family kind of sold their business and he kind of really said, this is what I'm doing. We're making cotton. We're making We're cotton. making jersey. We're making yeah, jersey. Yeah, and it's been hard for him. He he almost lost everything because he couldn't get the right biodiverse mix of cropping. That's so it wasn't working intense. and it took five years and he got a Nobel Prize winning woman to come in and like it's been full on. We look at it and we look at how much fast fashion has grown versus like wear usability, wash and wear, whatever you want to call it. And uh, do you know what also got, one, the planet got fucked in that too, but what also got lost was storytelling. Like we stopped telling stories mm. through fashion. We start using it like mm. toilet paper mm. and just like... Like, That's true. don't you get attached to things? Like, I get so and sad when I see Fashion them. is sensual. Fashion is on your skin. It's body. It's experience. If you have a good, you know, outfit on, you walk into a room and you are glowing. It yeah, creates it your, across the board. your day, your night, your meeting, you fall in love. Like, you know, that's it. That's the beauty of fashion. The thing that shocks me when I go into these fast fashion retailers is it's not even cheap. 
Mm. Like if it was like a dollar, I could be okay. I could no, understand, but it still it's not shouldn't cheap, be. But it's so expensive on top of it being terrible, on top of it ruining the environment. Like but it is too cheap because fashion's expensive. It is, it is. You it know, is, it it is. fast fashion is too cheap. And who's been paying? The customer hasn't been paying. Well, that's, yeah. The, the land, the resources and the workers are paying. Like that is who's paying. So it's, it is too cheap. It's too cheap. Fashion is so expensive because there's so <laughs> many people and it always has I been in that. life. I love that. It's, I feel like you and I, Christians, scream that a lot at people. Like we have to eat meagre and noodles because yeah, of this. Pay like, it. Yeah, pay for it. Like, pay for it. Pay for it. Otherwise, the ancient Greeks had it right with togas. I, I am sort of not compromising on choosing materials that aren't sustainable. Mm-hmm. So it has increased prices. I can't go polyester lining. I can't go viscose without Lensig certified, which is a closed loop system. So there are no um, acids are being used and therefore no water has been affected. I can't go a plastic button. I have to go Corozo nut or reclaimed horn, these fabulous buttons. Or, you know, I can't do a normal zip. I have to do re-re-zip, um, which is upcycled PET bottle zipper tape or organic cotton <laughs> zipper tape. Like I, I am making these choices and it's more expensive. Of course. And so the margin actually has been less in KidX than what it was in Willow. We had a higher margin. Yeah. So it has affected the business on yep. the margin level, but... I'm doing it. Like, I'm determined to do it. So, you know, we can't sell it for so much more because it's sustainable. But so we're just closing that margin. But then there are other ways that you can be more sustainable with it, like using old fabrics and, you know, being proud of it. It's just that it's got to sell because if it doesn't sell, then it's... And it's more old fabric. (laughs) Counteractive and it's more old fabric that you've thrown more money onto. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't have that long. You know, we, we are going to have to adapt really quickly. Yeah. So it's a survival. It's a matter of survival. So it might be buzz for a second now early. It might push back. But at the end of the day, we are going to be survive. The only way to survive is by conscious choices in everything, energy, you know. It's um, a necessity. It's It's a necessity for the the existence of our human race. Otherwise, we end the human race. Yeah, we don't need sustainable fashion because we'll all be dead. We'll all like, be dead and yeah. we'll let nature in a billion years, you know, sort come back start come again. back and evolve, yeah. you know, and maybe we're so stupid that we, you know, have to do that and let nature reinvent itself. Like that's, yeah. you know, it's like... There'll still be a nylon Prada clutch <laughs> in the new be. nature because it never breaks down. No, yeah. that's right. We and won't be looking at cave paintings. We'll be looking at fucking bum bags I mean, that's, from the I mean, early and 80s. Some new, some new species will come out and and pull all the plastic bags out and all the bottles and all the plastic nylon fashion that hasn't brought down and they'll create this whole new world on the planet with but it. But what a fashionable oh. polar bear in like a million years <laughs> walking around. <laughs> well, thank you so much for yeah, it's been giving s- us the time. It's been so insightful talking. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Okay, I want to get out of here, so let's call your dad. Yeah, let's call him. I mean, I'll be surprised if he picks up. Uh, he's a very busy man. Uh, between like nine and 12. Um, sorry, he takes you to French, to free lunch. <laughs> so I think you should be a bit nicer. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hi, Daddy. We, I'm just here with Andy again. Say hi. Hi. 
Uh, and we just talked to Kit Willow about sustainability and her ethical fashion. She um, has Kid X now, that dress that Virginia has. And um, talking about sustainability and like things that are sustainable, uh, which reminds me that like there's probably a good time to say that one thing that is really sustainable in our relationship as father and son is that I spend money that you have made on your MX. So I've done that again and I bought those boots, but they're like one of a kind and no one else in Australia has them and you love things that are really unique and special. So I love you. Give me a call back. Bye. Sorry. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Radical Fashionism on Apple Podcasts.